Glenn Mason on the podcast today. He's a psychologist and the founder of Beyond Coming Out. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. It's great to see you. So we are in lockdown still and we are on Zoom. So we are socially distant. You are over in Northern Ireland, I believe. Yes, I'm just at my uh, home, just uh, not on work today. So I've got a day off, which is really lovely. It's been quite, quite busy over the last few months. Yeah, definitely. I mean, did you want to talk a little bit about um, Beyond Coming Out and what that is and, and how that space? Yeah. So really, I, I kind of developed um, this whole concept around, I think, within our community, there's often a, oh, once you come out, that's it, it's done. Um, that, that's it. But actually, the, the reality is that we often come out so many times um, over the course of our life. Um, and I suppose the idea behind creating this concept was that people could meet other people who were maybe struggling around coming out, but also those who have come out, uh, you know, that it doesn't stop there, that, that there's other challenges and, and difficulties that can come up in our life, um, just as, as it does with anybody's life. So again, just really a space where people can get support to, to talk about things that they're struggling with. Um, and I suppose really to know they're not alone in those experiences, that there's other people in the world going through those as well. And I think there's something that's really powerful when we do hear about other people's experiences um, because it can really help us, I suppose, feel less, less isolated in our own. Yeah, definitely. It's important. I mean, back when I came out, there wasn't any l online kind of forums or advice hubs or, you know, Facebook wasn't a thing. So it's just very much navigating it on your own and trying to find like-minded people within the community because obviously we had gay pubs and clubs that luckily were there and they're few and far between now they're getting less and less it's mainly the the big cities that have those kind of places so it makes meeting people in real life more difficult and certainly with lockdown completely impossible but certainly having these online spaces is important for people to genuinely discuss how they feel and I feel like when people are online they're a bit more candid with their actual feelings and can kind of detach a little bit away from you know the pressures of how people see them or what society are they seem to be a bit more um honest I think I don't know if that's your experience when yeah I think definitely you know having those online spaces are so important because it can be a place really to get information out to folk who need it um, and you know we're on social media all the time aren't we um twitter facebook tiktok i don't have tiktok yeah. i'm not i'm not cool enough for that <laughs> um so i think yeah it's so important because i think by having these online spaces um even more so i suppose when we're in lockdown we can't actually physically go to spaces that we can come into contact with maybe people who are going through 
similar experiences um, where we don't feel so alone in that experience, I think. Yeah, definitely. And how does your um, background in psychology and being a psychologist fit into that? How, how do people react and, and what kind of issues do people come to you about with regards to LGBT? Yeah, like I suppose um, this is not just a professional passion of mine, but it's also a personal passion because um, I've kind of been there myself. I've had those struggles, I've had those worries, the anxieties. You know, how are people going to react when I when I tell them? Um, am I going to be accepted? Am I not going to be accepted? And that can really impact how you feel about yourself and, and I suppose how you are then in social situations. I can remember in my early 20s being really anxious around people because I didn't want them to ask me too many questions and you know people can make assumptions you know that how's your girlfriend and you're like mm, don't have a girlfriend <laughs> um do you know and that it just was was really it was a really really difficult um few years for me um I suppose kind of early on um in that journey for me um I you know I did have a chat with my parents about my confusion I wasn't quite really sure at that point how how I felt myself um, around things and I, I suppose at that point I was more questioning as opposed to kind of saying this is my my sexuality and um, it definitely was a journey with with lots of challenges along the way um, and I know before we when we were chatting that I come from a, a, a religious background and um, my dad's a pastor and you know I was very involved in in the church community and I thought my goodness like what are people going to think and you know, rumors did start and people were talking about you and it just was a very, very difficult time in my life. And um, I suppose through that experience, um, I obviously came in contact with, with other people from our community as well and began to realize, gosh, there's other people going through these challenges and struggles as well. Um, but actually it was very, very underground. Like I was probably about um, maybe 15, 16 years ago that I was beginning to explore things. And there was really, um, I suppose there was quite a lot of shame attached to how I felt about myself. Um, and I remember, I think I must have been about 25 or 26. I literally had got to the point and um, I wouldn't say that I wanted to to take my life, but I, I remember having a conversation with my dad saying, I don't think I can I can do this anymore. You know, I think sometimes I just wish I was dead, which, which obviously then rang alarm bells for him. And I think at that point in my life, I was like, gosh, you know, this is, this is really hard. Um, and I did start to um, go to therapy and talk to um, a therapist about that. And, and what we really worked on was me accepting myself first and foremost. Um, and I suppose once I got myself to a point where I felt, well, I'm okay with who I am, then when other people didn't um, accept me for who I was, that was their issue. It was nothing to do with me because I felt comfortable and confident within myself. Um, and I suppose now as I work with, with people um, in therapy around kind of some of the challenges around coming out, it's, it's one of the focuses that, that I spend with them because I can remember back then for me, it just completely consumed me day, day and night. And my mind was always racing. I was always worrying about things. I was really anxious. What happens if somebody finds out? Am I going to be rejected? Am I not going to be rejected? Am I going to be accepted? And 
it just was was absolute turmoil. Um, so I think when I work with people now in in my practice, it one of the things that we do spend a lot of time doing is, you know, you're more than just this. You you are a person as well, you know. Uh, but I think sometimes when we go through difficulties and challenges, that whole thing can just consume us. And we, we begin to lose who we are and we begin to lose connection with what truly matters to us in our life. Um, and I, you know, I, I know people in, in, in the community here within, within Northern Ireland and, and obviously around the world. Um, I've heard of people that have taken their life because they've just not been able to, to cope anymore with the, the stress and strain and the stress that, it, that it's putting on them. And I think I just got to the point where I was like, actually, you know, I, I think my one of my life's purposes now is that I want to make sure like if I could save one person from from doing that like that's 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 my passion you know that that you're not alone in this experience there's other people around you definitely and do you find obviously when somebody's committed suicide we can't then ask questions as to why unless you know it luckily didn't work but do you find mm. that people who have decided to take their own life is an inward thing and it's them that's put the pressure on themselves or is it because they feel or or society genuinely is rejecting them and they're being bullied or um homophobic abuse and that kind of side yeah i think in terms of some of the research around that um there's there's i think it's a mix of everything really um so stonewall did a research project back in 2018 and and this was, um, I think, around 5,000 um, adolescents between the ages of 18 to 24. And what, what they found is that, you know, over half of the people they interviewed um, experienced depression in their life. Um, and, you know, around one in eight of the people within that research study um, had attempted to take their own life. Um, so I think there's, 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 there's the personal challenges of, of fear around rejection, but you know, I, I think we do live in a society that is maybe a bit more accepting now, but, but there's definitely, you know, we only have to be looking at the news now, not even just around um, sexuality, but just around race, everything that's going on at the minute. We, I think sometimes we tend to believe we're accepting, but actually the reality is often we're not. Um, and I think the society that, that we then live in then creates narratives and ideas and concepts which then make somebody's own difficulties even harder because a message is being communicated that that you're not accepted that you read the news and and somebody's been been attacked um for being gay you know or, or whatever their identity is and, and and it can't not make you feel anxious because that is the reality you know um homophobia biophobia transphobia all that it's 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 out there uh we can't get away from it um and i think then well, within even, our community even in our own community there are turfs that are trying to yeah. trans from the lgbt community and you just think yeah. how can in in a community that wants to be accepted by the wider you know world and just their families and friends and colleagues and you know strangers on the street how can you then turn against people within your community and the very people who were fighting and rioting you know trans people headed mm. up stonewall and were the ones that were pioneering the ability for pride and you just think how can you then try and turn your back on on people mm. within your community? yeah 
And I think that's so important, Ellie, too, because it's, I think sometimes conversations are always had. Well, the, the discrimination is obviously from outside of our community, but absolutely, there's so much discrimination within our, within our own community as well around different um, identities and terminologies. And, you know, it, 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 it is a struggle then, isn't it? So you're not only dealing with um, discrimination external to our community, but then you're dealing with it within as well. So it's like yeah. a, maybe like a double whammy, isn't it, sometimes for folk? Absolutely. And obviously this week, Black Lives Matter is, is a huge yeah. thing. And, and so it should be. Um, but it's only because of this that Grinder have decided to remove the ethnicity search. Mm. So, so men were able to effectively disregard whole races of people just based on skin colour or mm. uh, where they're from. I haven't used Grinder for obvious reasons. Uh, the mm. people there are for me and I'm not for them for sure. But yeah. um, okay. I'm, you know, from gay guys that I know and I speak yeah. to, that was something that they were like, I don't really get why this is a, a thing but apparently it was a massive you know mm. people were just I don't know if they lost people but people were able to have the ability to whitewash literally the the people mm. that they're wanting to meet or sleep with so yeah I'm glad it's been removed but the fact that that was even uh, a, um, a feature that was available on that app is just goes to yeah. show that it, it's disregarded and is very much mm. still an issue within our community Absolutely. And, and Stonewall has done some research around that as well. And, and they've actually found, you know, within Britain, um, you know, those that kind of identify within black and ethnic minority communities, about 51% of them face the discrimination from within the community itself. Um, so it's just, it, 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 it is happening with, within the community. Um, they must feel sure it's a well. minority within a minority then, because you're just, you know, you feel like you've got oppression possibly from ex outside of the LGBT community. Mm. And then it's even compounded further within the community itself. It's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. So in terms of the suicides, we're saying about um, what the influences are that people may have in regards to committing suicides. How do people come for help or where, where are they, if they're a kind of, T-junction and they're wondering whether they should do mm. or not how do people kind of get help are they using the Samaritans what, what's the kind of court? yeah I suppose there's there's obviously various organizations that are out there um, and I think having those organizations are really useful um, but I think lots of people um, sometimes don't use those organizations and therefore um, are, are dealing with this by themselves and I think again this is where the communities around us need to be, I suppose, um, there to support people that are that are struggling and be very mindful of how we interact with people because that interaction could be the thing that, that tips somebody over the edge to think actually, do you know what, I've had enough now. You know, our words can be so so powerful and so cutting to people. Um, and a lot of the times, um, I suppose a lot of the statistics we have are people who have attempted suicide and not not been successful at that we then don't know how many people actually successfully complete because we 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 don't have those those stats to hand because the person has then taken the decision to end their life so unless they've actually said the reason why i've done this is because i'm struggling with my sexuality but often we we don't actually know the reason um 
and I think this is where as a community we can you know be there to support people and I, I know I was talking to you about some research that I did around people's coming out experiences and a lot of the young people that I interviewed in that research they knew services were there but were too scared to go there or too anxious to go there because by stepping into that building I therefore have labeled myself and, and what happens if somebody I know sees me coming out like what, what what's going to happen so I think a lot of them in in terms of our uh, conversations that I had with them when I was doing my research was well actually I used a lot of online stuff so listen to podcasts looked at blogs and um, listen to things on YouTube check things on social media, join some groups. So I think spaces like that are so important um, because it's really important to have those offline spaces where people can physically go to places. But I think some people, I think everybody, um, yeah, everybody that I, um, I interviewed for young people, but nobody actually went when they were struggling to, to get help. They actually access the support online. Um, and again, similar to myself, the anxiety and worry was around how am I going to be accepted? Um, am I going to be rejected? Which led to sleepless nights, to low moods, um, to just real high degrees of stress and anxiety, which then began to affect how they lived their life on a day-to-day -day basis because they then would have withdrawn, would have not spent time with family. And when that's support goes and um, it can be a very isolating experience because then there's nobody around us to talk to because there's that worry and fear that if I was to say anything it might make my thing my problem worse that I'm going through so I think having these online spaces are so important and um, to just have open conversations about um, lots of subject matters where people can realize gosh yeah, I, I'm not the only one going through this when they hear about somebody else's experience. Yeah, I think hearing other people discuss how they came out, reactions from friends, family, mm. colleagues, it, it really gives you a sense of, okay, my life's not over if I come out and there may be some difficult conversations and you may fall out with people and there may be, mm. some, you know, friction. Um, but ultimately certainly in my life a hundred percent of people luckily which i'm you know very grateful for but um you you tend to have a majority of people come with you on the journey and accept you because they know mm. you. you're not that yes. you know, weird gay person or weird trans person you're you know glenn or ellie and they know you as the person and actually mm -hmm. the lgbt part of that person isn't then associated because they knew you before you've had that label and actually you're potentially the only person they know that's from the LGBT community mm. and they can then associate that with good things rather than this kind of yeah. weird strange thing that they see on the news or see in EastEnders or whatever their experience is of LGBT and when you're presented in front of them as part of the family or a friend or a colleague that kind of gives them a bit more of a insight and relook at oh i thought that the l from lesbian meant this but actually you don't fit mm. into that because what you know whatever their perception is yeah. you kind of change that and i think it's getting people to understand that it's not the end of the road and there is so many like amazing people that you meet yeah. as a of being in the lgbt yeah. community 
absolutely it's certainly opened a lot of doors for me and I've met a lot of people because of it um and it's not limited my um friends or family or anything and actually if it had I wouldn't regret that because I'd want to be me and I want to be authentically me and mm. you know if people do have those kind of difficult conversations and may break down relationships eventually when they're comfortable within their own skin that might turn the other person's opinions around and they'll realize that actually you know that relationship shouldn't have you know gone down a, a hole and maybe bring that back but yeah, yeah. Did you, how how in your experience did you come out to your parents first um or kind of have those um yeah so i suppose i kind of had a, a conversation um i think um yeah it would have been been my actually it was a youth worker that i came out to first um and they were so supportive and i think in that moment um i was like oh because i think in my head i had a certain perception or a certain assumption that maybe they would react this way completely different um i think some of my my friendship group um back in the earlier days there were really difficult conversations that that were had um and they had certain viewpoints and opinions had certain viewpoints and opinions and they differed mm -hmm. um and that was really um a really really difficult uh, experience for me because they were my life Do you know i spent a lot of time with them um and they weren't very accepting at that at that point um, in terms of my family they were great uh, you know i remember so much anxiety i, I can literally uh even just now thinking about this and smiling because I can remember getting into the car with my brother and reversing out of um, the drive and, and and my dad had said, oh, you, you need to say to your brother. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I remember telling him and it was completely fine. Um, and I think that was really helpful for me. Uh, I think if my family had have not been accepting, uh, I, it would have been a completely different experience um, and particularly with a lot of um, people that I've worked with over the years and kind of in my professional life but also people that I've come into contact with in my personal life um, you know I've sat and I've, I've, I've had you know lumps in my throat trying to hold back tears it's how difficult their experience has been and I think in those moments uh, that's what's kind of led me to this journey to say actually do you know what you you can do something to help here um and it's important that you do something to help and um, i suppose when i went to do my phd i hadn't planned to research my own community at all i didn't I, you know i wasn't thinking about looking at coming out experiences at all but i suppose as i began to to think about well what's i want to research and they began to talk to us about you know researching that something's something that's important to you i kind of thought oh maybe i could research coming out and as that as that project developed and as i talked to people um in my kind of early days around it you know people were i remember talking to to a guy um he's from the muslim community and um he he, he told me a story uh and it's in my it's in my um research kind of on the lead up to to how I developed it and he said you know my dad told me that that I'm not allowed to come to his funeral when I when he dies 
And I, I remember sitting with him going, what? Like, really? And I remember going, coming away from that conversation going, I don't even know how I would process that if my dad had said that to me. And I think in that moment, that's when I was like, this is a, this is a project to do. This is a project to research because actually there are still challenges for people around coming out. Um, and the very first question that my uh, external examiner asked me when I was defending the research that I had, had undertaken. He had also researched coming out experiences within the Jewish community, I think back in 91. Um, and his first question was, it's really interesting that you've selected, uh, you know, exploring people's coming out experiences. I mean, I did this in 91, so why is this still relevant today? And I was like, <laughs> what an interesting question. Um, and, and it really got me thinking, and I knew why he asked it, because he wanted me to bring that passion out of, well, actually, this is an important thing, because this is still a challenge and a difficulty for people in their life. Um, and I think he got the fire in my belly going. <laughs> and it was uh, 19 minutes of hell from then onwards, defending every methodology. And But yeah, like I think there was something, you know, when I went to study, like I'd know... I, I hadn't planned to research this, but the more I get into the research, I was like, my goodness, like this is this is an area that that I want to do more in um like the back end of, of it. And um I had a chat with a, a production company um after I'd done my research around, you know, how can we disseminate some of these findings a little bit more and bring it more into people's awareness because normally you do a research study, you go and present it to some conferences. You maybe write a journal or two and that's it. Um, and I thought, well, actually, I'd, I'd really like to bring this issue to um, people's awareness. And it was around the 50-year decriminalization of homosexuality within the UK. So the BBC were doing a lot around those 50 years from that was decriminalized. And they were like, yeah, maybe this is a project that could work. And um, we then developed a two-part series called I'm Coming Out, um, where two young people, um, you followed them on their journey as they came out to their family. And again, a very, um, it was a very important project to me because again, there were challenges for them in that. Um, and yes, there's definitely lots that has happened within our community in terms of changes in legislation and things like that. But I still think education is a massive part of, of, of making change happen. Um, it's great having legislation in place because it protects our community, but if we're in a society that's still not accepting of us, it, it's not gonna get, get us away from some of the, the challenges that can then come. Um, so I think education is, is so important. And I think it's really coming back to what you were saying earlier that you know when we do come out, it, it may, take those around us a bit of time to to readjust to that or it changes their perception because they love you and they're like oh I need to now think about how I view the LGBTQ community and maybe the opinions that I hold are not actually correct and so I think it's um it's not just about kind of legislation it's about how do we change society around us to be more accepting not just of, of our community, but just be accepting of each other um, and being more kind and compassionate. And, um, you know, great having social media because 
for me and the work that I do. It helps me, um, you know, connect with people from the community. It also um, helps me get information out to people who might need it, that, that they aren't getting that in the offline space. But actually also a really damaging um, thing as well, because people can write very hurtful and, and nasty things um, as well. So it's, I suppose it's difficult to kind of navigate, isn't it? That the, 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 the stuff that we're using to try and create a safe space for to access support can sometimes be a place that rips them down because people can hide behind um, social media profiles and, and really yeah, not say very difficult if they you know in in a normal uk on the street scenario say something that would be considered a hate crime and therefore mm. attribute it to that person and prosecute but online it's so difficult to be able to track ips for that profile that was set up yeah. with like email address and all that kind of stuff to then be able to prosecute people for online hate really it's mm. it is certainly social media has moved so quickly that the legislation mm. laws behind how you can police it it's just you know it's nowhere near even being able to be defined let alone actually yeah. police it properly but it certainly needs something because you know young people who are on um the internet and are maybe looking at some lgbt sites and things you mm. will see trolls and you will see people who are um saying hateful things and even if 90% of the comments are really good that 10% will just keep going over in mm -hmm. people's heads because they'll feel like they're going to be that 10% when when they come out to their friends and family so there needs to be yeah. at least you know, sure. and I think definitely you know I think schools have a they're in a, in a great position to try and 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 take take lead in this education because Again, the research would say about half of LGBTQ plus people at school will be bullied or discriminated in some way, and not just by pupils, but by, by teachers as well. Um, I've, I've got consent to share this, but one of the um, participants in my research had a, had a really, really difficult time where the teacher knew that they were being bullied and, and was witnessing it but didn't step in and do anything about it. And for it's them, it, here is a, yeah, like here's a person that should be protecting me and keeping me safe. And even they're not doing it. So what hope do I have if, if I actually do come out? That's because true. here's an adult who should be, you know, protecting me from these bullies or, or, or doing something in response to it. And they said nothing. They just were silent. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, yeah, within the school environment, it's a, a great opportunity to, begin to change attitudes but it's not just not just pupils you know we need to get um stuff into teacher training programs and, and i know that is happening but um it, it's it's more than just kind of legislation I, I think education is really really key in all of this as well yeah we spoke with jerome um last week i think it went out on the podcast around section 28 and effectively mm. trying to undo that legislation because yeah it came in it, it has been um revoked um but that was hugely damaging certainly for my mm. education there was no talk or or even reference yeah. to same-sex relationships um and now it's going to be mandated that same-sex relationships from primary school is going to be mm. taught and you know sex education generally is going to be taught for same-sex couples which 
you know, that would be a huge step forward. But again, mm. this is the generation up and coming. So it'll be all the children that are coming up that will hopefully then transform society. But we've still got people who are in their old education system that won't have had that education and will yeah. potentially have the same views that their parents. So it's almost like this generation needs to come up, have their children, and then hopefully they'll all be much more accepting and, and you know, understanding. But we have a whole many generations of people who are from the section 28 and um, we're not taught about it. And we're also um, effectively told that we're wrong. We have the AIDS epidemic, which, you know, mm. and called the gay disease. You just, all these things have been really damaging for our community and for people to accept people from our community is challenging because of the kind of political and, and education aspects that have, have damaged mm. how how we're viewed by general general public so I think it's yeah cool. i think like you know even thinking about communities around us everything is generally heteronormative heterosexuality is the norm and little things that, that can be done to start to subtly change that i think is so important because then it doesn't make somebody then feel different because we then you know there's actually a group of friends um and i know they found out um about myself um many years ago because people were um talking about me i guess within um some of the church circles that i would have been and to that group of friends i have never actually said the words ever um they just heard and, and they just accepted that they didn't question it they didn't and i can remember um you know what they we were arranging a, a, a social event um and my friend he said to me he's like and if you're with anyone make sure you bring them and i was like what? i've not even had the conversation with you and here you are just saying if you're dating anyone they're welcome to and yeah. i just thought how great would that be if and he didn't have a massive conversation and say, I'm here for you and I'm now you're going through a difficult yeah. time. He but just didn't make not. an issue of it. He just yeah. was like, bring whoever you want. Uh, and that for me, that that spoke massive, massively to me because then I could take from that, well, he doesn't have an issue with this. Yeah. And I'm not having to sit down and have this awkward conversation. By the way, can I bring you know it was just accepted as this is glenn and this is it and and there was never and i think those five friends and and um they they tend to um listen to things that that i do and, and kind of encourage me so if they're listening to this at some point they'll know exactly who they are they've never ever brought this topic up and they've just i've always just been glenn and for me um, that was just really important for me because there was so much acceptance within that. By saying by saying nothing, they said a lot. Um, yeah. Whereas other people, um, it was they said a lot and and really hurt me. Um, to the point where those relationships have never and never will be the same again. Um, because we just have differences of opinions. Um, and I think it's okay to have differences of opinions. Absolutely. Um. It, it's just part of, of life, you know, not everybody's going to necessarily um, agree on things, but I think it's coming down to, to being respectful towards each other um, and, um, 
you know, even though your, your opinions might differ, um, you know, is there a way that we can still maintain some form of a, a relationship? Um, but because there was a lot of opinions um, exchanged, that, that really damaged. And I suppose for, for me, I was very, uh, I, I got quite agitated and I wait at times. So I probably didn't handle those situations I can remember storming off at my house one day when, when they were chatting to me about stuff. And now looking back and I was like, well, there was a really great opportunity for me not to be reactive. Um, but then I also go, well, I shouldn't have to explain myself either. Yeah. So it's a very, very difficult, um, a difficult balance to get, you know. Um, and also if there's a difference of opinion for your own mental health, it's probably best not to have those kind of toxic people and opinions in your life mm. actually yeah you need to maintain your mental health and you have a right to feel accepted with the people you're around you don't want to mm. be oh this weekend i'm seeing that group of people and i know they're not comfortable with my sexuality therefore you're mm. going to be on edge for the whole time and that's not you know downtime you're then kind of high alert waiting for something to be said are they going to be snidey are they going to laugh you know all mm. those kind of things it's just not worth it it's kind of cut those kind of people out and and concentrate on the positive people and the acceptance. Yeah. and it is and it is around all that acceptance stuff at, at this um just literally sprung to mind there's a, a drag drag queen here in northern ireland um uh, and they give quite a profound talk um a few years back in um one of the assembly buildings up here in um, one of the parliamentary buildings uh, and they really uh, really struck a chord with me because i can't remember the quotation exactly but um if they're listening they'll be like you should have written that time <laughs> um, but you know them get them, get them get yeah them come on like yeah oh i i will i will say to him i'm sure he would be keen to, to come on and he really he said something around um that that they were sick of trying to win people's acceptance uh within northern ireland and actually the reality is i don't need anybody's acceptance to be here i am because i've accepted myself yeah and i just i remember listening to to the talk that they were doing, I was like, that is so true. Do you know, so often within our community, we are constantly trying to yeah. explain ourselves, to be accepted. Uh, and actually, I just thought, actually, why, why should we be doing this? Um, yeah. and, and it really, it really stuck with me. Um, obviously, I should have written the words down exactly, but <laughs> it just sprung to mind when we were talking there. And, and it really got me to think, about this in a different perspective that actually you know so much we try to strive for acceptance and, and, and constantly trying to get people who are never going to accept to yeah. do that um, and it, it was an interesting I think it was a very interesting thing uh, because it it just gave me a different perspective that actually it starts with, with, with ourselves isn't it as long as we accept and are happy with who we are if people around us don't, then that, that's their issue. We, we shouldn't have to. There's more about them than it does you, ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. Taste those kind of people to want to be your friends. Like, if you mm. want to be my friend, be my friend. But if you've got an issue with, you know, aspects of my life that don't impact you at all, then, you know, see you later. Like, there's, there's no mm. point in... You're, you're then wasting your energy on something that, you know how can you change them they're, they're clearly too bigoted or you know uneducated to be able to think in in better ways and so mm. yeah it's just 
you don't want to chew yourself up and tear yourself back down just based on somebody else's Mm -hmm. minded opinion it's got to be concentrate on the positive people in your life yeah northern ireland now having the right to marriage same sex um marriage is gonna improve things and have you noticed a difference in in how that's worked yeah look i I suppose i haven't noticed a, a massive difference but again it's still a very divided opinion around that um and you know there's been um uh, I think uh, I don't know what his, his stance is but he's a politician of some description um, you know that, that kind of come out within the last couple of weeks to say well coronavirus is because uh, Northern Ireland has legalised same-sex marriage and um, has changed their um, uh, abortion laws and I just was like do you know this is just the thing that, that, that leads to problems because you've got a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old reading that who's struggling with something, that's just going to reinforce that struggle anymore because here's somebody who's meant to be in a position of power. Well, coronavirus is your fault. Yeah. You know? And you're just like, this is just crazy. Um, there's still a very strong political and religious um, strand within within northern ireland and, and kind of with, with the troubles and stuff as well there's just still a lot of challenges and difficulties that, that are still the legacy of that is still lingering around but again it's just how a couple of words can be so impactful on somebody who's maybe struggling with something and you know yeah that that i think we're still a, a long way to go with some of that and um, and particularly the drag queen that i was talking about that that talk that they were doing was particularly aimed at, at particular politicians to say, you know, that they were sick of trying to get their acceptance to the point now where actually I don't need your acceptance any longer um, because I accept myself and who I am, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that, say that COVID countries, countries yeah. have COVID, is it, is it illegal to be gay there? Are they, are they saying that, you know, but how is there COVID in those countries where it's illegal? Yeah. I know. No, it's, it's just all you need to do is slightly scratch the surface, and you can mm. completely show that it's bollocks. But you just can't believe that people yeah. a say it and have the audacity to go. You know, I presume it was on TV or certainly printed in paper. Yeah, it was in. It was on TV. It was on on social media. And this this is God, my punishing Northern Ireland for these decisions. And it's just you know, it, it's it's conversations like that that then creates a whole us and them scenario um, because you'll have people who will agree with that um, and then you'll have people who disagree and then there's two camps and there's, there's no meeting at the middle because everybody then reacts and becomes defensive and, and no dialogue then takes place. Um, I think that's something for me that, that's actually really stands out for me and what's been really helpful for me in my journey. Um, there has been dialogues that have taken place, but sometimes, you know, particularly some of the, those five friends that I talked about, no dialogue um, actually illustrated there was acceptance there. Um, and just little things like sometimes my mum would, would send me um, LGBTQ stuff, you know, on, on, like something that she's read. And we've never had a massive sit down conversation around this ever. But just by getting that little article or um, 
you know, she's uh, been following um, two dads that have just, I don't know whether they surrogated or, or, or adopted. And she's just like, this is so lovely, isn't it? And I'm just going, wow. Like, again, I've not had this conversation with my family in terms of kids, but here is them just laying the foundations down a few of kids through surrogacy or adoption. They yeah, will be okay with that. Can't wait. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, and I think it's where a little subtle thing like that can have a massive impact because it just says that, that I accept you for you and that, that I have no problem with this, I have no issue with this. Um, and I think we just need to do more of that. When I'd um, been single for a little while and I went over for, I think, just a coffee and catch up with my mum and dad. Um, and mum was like, oh, you're smiling. And I was like, oh, am I? And she's like, yeah, who is she then? And yeah. just by understanding that there wasn't yeah. going to be a key scenario, it's like, hallelujah, like literally you've, you've yeah, yeah. nailed it's it. So... And just that small thing like made a huge impact. And it is, you know, just little things like that. It probably was, she won't even remember saying that, but for me, it was mm. like, wow, the epiphany's happened. You get it. We're on yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those are just such beautiful moments, you know, and, and again, throughout some of the, the work that I've done over the years, either through research or, um, you know, working within the community, you do hear little stories like that and you just go, wow, like a little small act, but could have had a massive impact on this person still being here today because we don't know what was maybe going, going on um, in their mind. They could have been thinking, I've had enough. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to take my life. And, and that one comment literally could have, could have saved their life. Um, and a, throw, uh, a, a stupid throwaway comment that is, yeah. could cause a noose. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It really could. And that came out a lot in my, in my research with some of the, the young people that I interviewed where there were some random flipping comments that were just fl flung around um, with, with not, not much meaning but at that moment that, that young person made a connection that that must mean that my parents would not accept me if I identified in that way um, so that then made the, 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 the challenges much more difficult for them because they were like well this must be the opinion of my parents but actually when they came out when they had that conversation like did we really say that? And they were like, yeah, you really did. I remember when I was 13. Yeah. I didn't even remember. Words are so powerful, aren't they? They yeah. really are. It does have a huge impact on your self-reflection and how you see yourself and how you feel other people mm. see yourself. And um, certainly now I'm so authentically me all the time, 24-7. Mm. I wouldn't know how to hide, but certainly back when I was going through that internal struggle I had to withdraw from loads of aspects of my life mm -hmm. because I was concerned how people would react and kind of work yeah. out who I was and and go on my own kind of inward journey to work out okay who am I and what does that mean and how will people find that information and you mm -hmm. know just take take time and I think resources like being able to go online and have like-minded people to chat to and to yeah. advice and and just have that support so when they do have that difficult conversation you know they can run up to their room and go straight online and be like oh my god it's happened and they said this mm. or, that, or i don't know where to go with this or you know just to have that instant kind of feedback and help and support is it can make a huge difference and certainly yeah. 
saving life is is the way forward isn't it absolutely the thought of people even wanting to let alone actually being successful in committing suicide is Mm. a scary prospect so it sounds like your work is uh doing amazing things and you're you're helping lots of people in general just through your psychologist um role but also with the beyond coming out um page so mm-hmm. well done to you for doing that it's, it's thank you so much and i think it's you know i i think for us as as identifying within the community there's so much that we can we can do to help others um, and i think you know it's so important to do that you know, even having this podcast that you're doing you just do not know who's sitting at home now listening to this and that could be the moment where they go gosh here's two people that they're doing okay actually they're doing really well and maybe that could be me someday and that literally could be a changing point for them in their life and because we just don't we don't know um and i think it's so important to be be doing things like this um and if this podcast saves one life like that that's amazing do you know absolutely amazing and whether i'll ever know that who knows but yeah we probably never will but it'd be awesome if somebody has the kind of epiphany moment to think I'm not, mm. and actually there's, well, yeah. hundreds of thousands, maybe millions yeah. that are around Absolutely. the world. Absolutely, going through things. Own little thing, and yeah, just nobody's alone. There's always somebody who's willing to talk or listen, or you know, if if your last resort is committing suicide based on coming out actually there's probably somebody in your life that you can talk to about coming out rather than you know Mm. taking that final decision because actually just having that talk you might find somebody's completely the opposite and is really accepting and supportive and then Mm. help them through the whole coming out process so yeah yeah well, it's been awesome chatting to you, Glenn. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's been so lovely um, chatting with you too. And thanks for having me on. No worries. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. That was so awesome chatting to Glenn Mason. It was really lovely to have him on the podcast. What a fab guy. If you want to check out uh, any of his work that he's involved with, uh, he has Beyond Coming Out on his social medias and LGBT Sanctuary. So if you want to have uh, a find of like-minded people or you want to have a community or help people within the community, then do check that out. Again, Spill the LGBT on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook um, and we can direct uh, Glenn towards those to answer any of your questions. So uh, thanks very much for joining and uh, catch you soon. Ladies my lovers! Thanks for listening to Spill the LGBT. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't done so already, please rate, review, share and subscribe as that helps other listeners find this podcast. For you fabulous, positive, constructive people, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. There you can help give us topics, link us to exciting people to speak with or interview, or give us things to discuss in future episodes. This is a podcast for our community, so want it to be engaging. Thanks very much. Latest, my lovers.